Welcome to The Prism Effect, a podcast with me, Larry Knoll, lead pastor of The Light in Kent. Just as prisms break light up into its spectral colors, I hope to help you discover the scripture's meaning for your life. For the first time in our church, we're going to celebrate Juneteenth, and I want to read, you know, it was like a last-minute decision. It's um, not something that was on my radar even last year when President Biden uh, signed this in to be a national holiday. So um, I was at a church in Tampa last week on our vacation, and they celebrated it a week early, and I was like, when, when the folks read about Juneteenth, uh, I was just impressed. I was like, we need to include this in our, our annual celebration here at the church. And it happens to fall on Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all the dads, by the way. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But if you will allow me to, um, to read this about June, uh, Juneteenth. What I've done is I've taken an article written by Tekela Foster in the NPR, National Public Radio website. And uh, she wrote an excellent article. And uh, it's called Juneteenth is a Jubilant Celebration and a Sacred Lament. On Sunday, today, churchgoers will commemorate and celebrate Juneteenth during their worship services. Throughout the day, there will be colorful parades, coast-to-coast music festivals, visits to historical sites, large gatherings within local communities, team sports, and plenty of barbecue. However, many will start the day with a long-standing tradition, worship. The Lord, this is a song, the Lord by Moses to Pharaoh said, oh, let my people go. If not, I'll smite your firstborn dead, then let my people go. Go down, Moses, way down in Egypt's land, tell old Pharaoh to let my people go. These lyrics from the Song of the Contrabands, Oh, Let My People Go, will have a special significance at services this Sunday because they echo the spirit of the holiday. It's a biblical story about the experience of Israel from Egyptian bondage to their exodus. The enslaved Africans identified with the story. Generations later, this hymn is still sung to remember how it felt to be a slave and to continue to seek equality and justice. Gospel music has been a comfort to the black community indeed, says gospel singer Ty Tribbett, who is performing at the Juneteenth Unity Fest 2022 today. It's power to harness the ability of hope, aspiration, and faith to give courage over fear during our culture's most difficult times as part of our and the music's legacy. In Galveston, Texas, the birthplace of Juneteenth, congregants at Reedy Chapel AME Church will begin their service at 11 a.m. and end the day with a freedom march. This was one of the locations where the enslaved people heard these words from General Order Number 3, the original Juneteenth Order, on June 19, 1865. And it read like this, The people of Texas are informed that in accordance with a proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. 
Juneteenth is also called Jubilee Day, Emancipation Day, and Freedom Day. It's the most recent new federal holiday since Martin Luther King Jr. Day was introduced in 1983. And because it falls on the Lord's Day, pastors will share a special message with their congregation. Bishop T.D. Jakes of the Potter's House in Dallas says that in order to protect this nation's legacy, we one must acknowledge and learn from the past. He says, although the origins of Juneteenth commemorations begin in Texas, it's vital we all must remember when liberty and justice is delayed or denied, it causes traumatic ripples throughout future generations. T.D. Jakes adds, as we collectively stop to acknowledge and learn from the delayed liberties of our nation's ancestors, we must not allow those same systems to repeat injustices. In San Francisco, Grace Cathedral congregants will celebrate and lament during their service. Actress and playwright Anna Deaver Smith will deliver their morning message. Her deep knowledge and narrative accounts of the school-to-prison pipeline and grounded Episcopal faith will guide us toward the work of emancipation today, the pastor said. We call that end slavery for good, ensuring that no one be subject to slavery, even as punishment for a crime, says the Reverend Canon Anna E. Rossi. The Reverend Joshua Lawrence Lazard, associate pastor of the Church of the Covenant, a predominantly white congregation in Boston, plans to take his sermon title from the James Baldwin book, You Mean It or You Don't. I will, he says, I will remind listeners that Christians have a duty to manifest the themes of liberation and freedom. Our faith requires us to be active in restoring and repairing the wrongs that stems from America's original sin of slavery. According to historians, many American institutions played a role in justifying slavery and white supremacy, including the Christian church, which used the Bible to justify the enslavement of African Americans. In the documentary, Juneteenth, Faith and Freedom, Christian apologist Lisa Field says it doesn't surprise her that the first institution that the emancipated people of Galveston established legally was a church. Field says they were believing God to liberate them, not Abraham Lincoln, nor their slave masters. And that brings to mind another popular hymn that could be heard on Juneteenth Sunday we have come this far by faith, written by Albert A. Goodson. The lyrics are, we've come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord, trusting in his holy word. He's never failed us yet. Singing, oh, 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 can't turn around. We've come this far by faith. We're going to sing a song together. If you'd stand with us, and Tim's going to lead us in a song about spiritual freedom. Amen. to begin 
Your love made a way to let mercy come in When death was arrested and my life began Ash was redeemed, only beauty remained Yes, we're free, free forever, amen. 
demon that's when death was arrested and my life began that's when death was arrested and my life began yes lord we are free we are free in you jesus and your death we are granted freedom thank you father thank you lord strength within the sorrow There is beauty in our tears And you meet us in our mourning With a love that casts out fear You are working in our waiting Sanctifying us and beyond our understanding, you are teaching us to trust. Your plans are still to prosper, you have not forgotten us. You're with us in the fire and the flame.
believe in life eternal. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the saints' communion and in your holy church. I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe in life eternal. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the saints' communion and in your holy church. I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. For I believe in the name of Jesus. For I believe in the name of Jesus. You believe in the name of Jesus. Will you give him praise today? Lord, we believe in you.
He has risen from the dead, and He's my Lord. Every knee shall bow, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ Sing that one more time. Confess that He is Lord. He's my Lord. Yes, He's my Lord. For He has risen from the dead. And He's my Lord. And every here to confess you as our Savior, as our Lord. You've given us great wisdom. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Anybody can read, listen, attend, and get knowledge. But we ask the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom, to give us insight into your word today. I pray for every man in our church, whether they're a father yet or not, Lord, that you would touch them and bless them. Lord, may these words encourage us and spur us on to live for you. We ask in Christ's name, make us different than the way that we walked in. Change us today. Begin a process of change in us, we ask that we will leave here different than when we came. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Happy Father's Day to everyone who is a father, or maybe you're like a father to somebody. So we want to wish you a happy Father's Day. All those that would be joining us through streaming today, you are with The Lighting Kent. And you can go to our website, thelightingkent.com, and find out more about us. Won't spend a lot of time on that. But just so thankful that you joined us. And if you're ever in the Kent area, Kent, Ohio, that is. I know there's Kent, Washington. There's a Kent in probably the original Kent in England somewhere. Because every time I Google something Kent, those seem to come up. But uh, if you're watching us and you're in the Kent area sometime, please, we'd love to have you come and be with us in the service. And I think these are some of the most amazing people. What do you think? Right here, would you give yourselves a big hand, all right? These people love here. That's just what happens. We just love each other. And uh, I I appreciate that about this group here. Well, I want to talk. I I realize we have like a father in process in the back here, our drummer Warren, uh, him and Sophia. What are we talking? September? September morn. 
maybe. It could be September Eve. We'll see. But I'm looking forward to uh, that baby is going to, I just know that baby's going to look like Sophia and be beautiful, okay? Guy or girl, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to look like the, the halo back there. And we have other dads here, okay? We've got them in the back, and I'm a dad, and Roy, and just, hey, I see one lounging back there. That's good. So we have a little cafe in the back, so some people sit back there, and that's great. It's very comfortable. I want to talk, though, uh, a little bit differently. I was talking to my cousin while I was gone, and my whole sermon, he's a pastor, and my whole sermon just got blown out, what I was going to speak on. Before I left, I was like, I need to get this done before I go, you know, and then during the time away, I was like, nah, that's not good. Don't want to do that one. Part of the reason is sometimes as dads, we sometimes feel like, you know, we didn't do the job we wish we had had. Anybody ever feel that way? You know, maybe you missed something. And sometimes we have dads that we think back on, maybe that were less than perfect, but you know, we love them. We love them. In most cases, you know, um, we appreciate the effort, okay? <laughs> we appreciate the effort. And they were there for us in some cases. In some cases, they weren't. And what I'm saying is it's not always great memories that to go back to. And I'm very sensitive to that in church today. It's not like it was where we would preach sermons uh, to a bunch of dads and, you know, and their families were all sitting here and they were in church together. So I was like, well, what am I going to do about that, Lord? And I... You know, I was going to steal a sermon from my cousin. I said, why don't you dig up some of your goodies? This is what I'm struggling with. And then he never did. So then I was panic. I was in panic mode, like coming home on the plane. And, you know, I didn't have my regular laptop while I was on vacation. And it was just, you know, I was like having to depend on God. Imagine that. But God really directed me into a couple things here. And I want to start off with a story, because I really hope that this will encourage everybody today. I'm directing it to guys in general, to men in general, okay? But I think it can encourage each one of us, and that's really what I try to do. I try to look at, you know, I don't, I don't, I used to tell teachers, don't teach lessons, teach students, okay? When I trained teachers, it was, don't just prepare lessons, but think about what do your students need and where are they and teach them. Don't just teach lessons. And I try not to just prepare messages, but I try to get something for us right here. And I hope that it will help those. I don't know you if, you're, if you don't come to this church, but I believe God directs this to a lot of different people from the comments that we get from the online watchers. So I want to tell a story. One of my customers where I work is ArcelorMittal. Does anybody know what that is? It's a steel company, okay? Pretty good-sized steel company. And, in fact, in Cleveland, there's a east side and a west side plant, for instance. And I know there's one. I don't know if it's still going in the Youngstown area. And um, so the, the story is like this. Uh, ArcelorMittal Steel, feeling it was time for a shakeup, hired a new CEO, and the new boss was determined to get rid of all the slackers in the company. All right? 
Um, he took a tour of the facilities, and the CEO noticed a guy leaning against a wall. The room was full of workers, and he wanted to let them know that he meant business. And he asked the guy, how much money do you make a week? A little surprised, the young man looked at him and said, I make $400 a week. Why? The CEO said, well, wait right here. He leaves the room. He goes to his office, comes back in a couple of minutes, and he hands the guy $1,600 cash and said, here's four weeks' pay. Now get out and don't come back. A little harsh, huh? Feeling pretty good about himself, the CEO looked around the room and said, does anybody want to tell me what that, go- that goofball did here? And from across the room, a voice said, he's the pizza delivery guy from Domino's <laughs> who just got the biggest tip in his life. Sometimes, I'll tell you, as a father, you feel like a CEO, and sometimes you feel like it's time for a change. You know, you gotta, we got to make some changes. Maybe things aren't going right in one way or the other. We see issues maybe in our business, where we work, or our family, or our personal life, or even our kids. And we feel like that CEO, we're a little frustrated, like, Man, you know, I I don't know what's going on. We need to make a change. And as we get older, we look at where our career has brought us. And this is really a lot of guys are this way. And the state of our household, our finances, our marriage, children, the spiritual condition of our household. And some, and I know some, like I mentioned, are just in the process of building their lives. And already, you know, we look back. No matter whether we've been at this for a long time as men or a short time, we look back and we can look at mistakes, can't we, that we made because we're human. And I'd say this, no matter what happened, it's never too late to take corrective measures. It's never too late to right the ship, to do what you can. But the fact is, I think especially with men, we want people to think well of us, our friends, our spouse especially, our family members. We want our kids to think well of us, our co-workers. And as followers of Christ, when we leave this world, we especially want who to think well of us, right? We want the Father to look at us and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. We long for those words. So we got all this. feel like that's all we're doing is just care, you know, what this person thinks, what that one thinks. And God himself. And, of course, we know that he comes first. But I want to hear those words as well. And I think that when we please the Father first, we make him first. And we listen to his advice, to what he has told us in the word. Then the rest of them, it will work out. You hear that, what I'm saying? If we start down here in our lives and we try to fix things, and we don't go to the Father first, I think we're going to have some trouble. So I want to credit, I always do this, I want to credit Pat Cook, who's a pastor at Centerville Baptist, United Baptist Church in Nova Scotia, for this outline, some of the ideas. And um, appreciate that, Pat. You'll never recognize your message, but, you know, thank you for the bones, okay? The structure. Dad seemed to get, well, Dad seemed to give advice a lot, don't we? You know, As you get older, it's funny, you'll say, well, my dad used to say, my dad always says, 
right? We, we say things like that, and it's kind of fun. But do we take advice well? That's the thing. We like to give it, but do we take it well? You know, just a simple thing like, honey, why don't you stop and ask for directions? Thank God for GPS, okay? Thank God for those things that are on our phones, in our cars now. I love Mary's car because it has a big screen. And it's not for watching movies. It's for watching a map and listen to a British lady say, right turn, you know. You must make a U-turn now. I know. So it's, you know, thank God for GPS. But in the, in the days when, you know, we were traveling in a 1967 Cadillac around the country, my dad, you don't stop and ask for directions. No, 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 you know. You just keep going. You'll find your way. He actually had a little, a little compass on his dashboard. I don't know what good it did, but we had it, Okay. And we had maps. Do you remember real paper maps? Yeah, you'd take them out. Or the triptych from AAA. But it was always tough when you felt like you were totally lost. Dad told me Mom and him were going to Florida a couple months ago. And for some reason, he had left his GPS at home. So they were just going by memory. Hmm. And it got really interesting in South Carolina, Georgia, that area right there. And they got down on He showed me where he made the wrong turn and he ended up going country. You know, whew, it was exciting, I'll bet. But I, guess, I guarantee you that man just kept driving and going on, okay? He may be watching right now, Dad. He's in the hospital, so keep him in prayer. The fact is, do we listen when someone tells us what to do or how to do it? And that goes for all of us, men or women. And as followers of Christ, here's the thing. God calls on us to depend on him. Not to depend on our own resources, not to depend on our own wisdom. In other words, God wants to be the CEO of our lives. He wants to be this boss. He wants us to give him control. Jesus take the wheel. Remember that song? So men, let me speak to men for a second. Our new management is the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's our management team. That should be the team that we operate under and we look to for guidance. And Jesus, today on Father's Day, Jesus, I'm going to tell you, he gives us advice through a group of men that he was giving advice to in the scriptures. And it's from a fishing story. My daughter likes to fish. Don't know where she got this. But I used to fish with my dad, but I never fished with her. And she has real fishing gear. This girl is serious about it. And when she was pregnant, Sophia, big pregnant, like last thing, whatever they call that, trimester, whatever, they she was up to her doing morning fishing out in the Mommy River. Yeah, yeah. And she was pregnant, and that's how much she likes fishing. And she was camping. You had to camp all night so you could be the first ones in the water. All right? It's a big deal. I don't know what the, you know. And she likes to fish. But he's speaking to a group of men who were fishermen. And so this is a little fishing story. Let's go to John 21, verse 1 through 14. I'm just going to read the story through so we can get an overview. 
goes like this, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. <laughs> and they said to him, well, we're going to go with you also. And they went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. Been there. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered him, nope. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat. For they were not far from the land, but about 200 cubits, and dragging the net with fish. <laughs> and then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have caught. And Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153 exact count. And although though there were so many, the net was not broken. And Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. And Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. And this is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. And actually, this was the seventh time that Jesus appeared to anybody and to, you know, in groups of people. But Verse 14 there tells us it's the third time he appeared to the disciples as a group. So this is uh, all after the resurrection. And let's go back to verse 1, Sophia, if you will. It says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Twice it says this in, in the verse, showed himself. So he didn't just appear, he showed himself. What in the world does, the, you know, what's the difference here? He didn't just appear, he showed himself. In other words, he revealed his character, his love, and his forgiveness. He was revealing stuff about himself by what he was doing there on the beach. So let me say this, Jesus wants to show up in your life. And be more than just a story. Jesus wants to show himself real to you. He wants to show himself to you like he showed the disciples. See, Jesus will do things in our lives. And we will see him in ways that we never saw him before. Because we're going to experience things with Jesus if we allow him. And we're going to go, I never saw it that way before. I never felt that way before. Jesus has never showed himself like that to me. 
So what, I wonder what the disciples were thinking and feeling right about now. Don't, wouldn't you? I mean, just think about it. The Jesus Breakfast Club on the beach. Can you imagine? Here Jesus had risen from the dead. He had made a couple of appearances to them. He'd made six other appearances to people at large. And he had given them orders to make disciples around the world. He'd already talked about that to them. I want you to do that. But he was no longer with them 24 hours a day like he was before. I mean, they lived together. They traveled together. They left, remember, they left their jobs, guys. They were no longer tax collectors. They were no longer fishermen. They were out of their element with Jesus, and they had to depend on Jesus for everything, money included. So they had to take offerings. They had to receive offerings from people. And there were supporters. There were people that had a lot of money that were supporters of Jesus, and they made sure he got some of that money that he got, you know, that his organization, as they traveled around and they evangelized and they did healing campaigns and everything else that you can imagine, they didn't work their jobs anymore. They didn't have income. They depended on Jesus for their for food, for doctoring, for you name it. They're away from their wives, from their families. For a couple of years, they were traveling with Jesus. And I'm, I'll bet they felt a little lost, more than a little lost. During this time now, Jesus dies. He's crucified. He comes back from the dead. They know that. But he's not with them in the same sense anymore. He's appearing and he's disappearing. And he's appearing over here and they hear this. And they're not with Jesus and their needs are not being met. So what do they do? Where do they go from here? Well, if it was you and if it was me, we'd go back to work, wouldn't we? We'd have to make money. So that's what happened is the fishermen went back to fishing. They went back to what they knew. See, this is where Jesus finds them. He's on the shore. And they're out there fishing. Guys, we've got to make a living. Jesus isn't here anymore. I like to eat. So let's go and do what we know to do. It's what they were familiar with, what they were comfortable with. So let me tell you, when we're in a crisis, here's what we like to do. We like to fall back on our safety plan, don't we? Our safety net. We like to go back to plan B. Plan A is I will follow you, Christ, to the ends of the earth. I will follow you no matter what. Plan B is it's not going well. Let me go back to what I was doing before Jesus. Right? That's what we do because it's safe. You know why? Because we like to feel in control. We like to feel in control. It's easy to be a, to trust somebody who's here physically. But the disciples were getting a taste of what you get to do every day and trust somebody you can't see or talk to or ask a question just like, hey, Sherry, what about? Hey, Jesus, can you tell me? Jesus probably said, Google it. No, he didn't. But anyhow, you know what I mean? Jesus was not with them all the time. And what happens is when we're in those situations and things get a little shaky, a little scary, we retreat back to our comfort zones. Why? Because life is scary sometimes, isn't it? 
Things are going along great. It's a sunny day. You get back from vacation. And the first thing you hear is a phone call that your dad's at the hospital. You can't even unpack your bags. You got to go. Or, or no, he's sick and you got to take him to the hospital. And so you don't even unpack your bags. You spend the next, I don't know, 20 some hours in the hospital. You didn't expect that, did you? Has that ever happened to you where a loved one just out of the blue was sick and you had to be there for them? Mm-hmm. Or what about that thing that shows up and you don't understand why you feel this way, you know, and you go to the doctor and the next thing you know, he says, go right to the hospital. You see, don't waste any time. These kind of things. Or you have that meeting at work. You think it's a sales meeting and you find out it's a see you later meeting. We don't we're not going to need some of you for a while. So we'll see you later. You didn't see that one coming, did you? See, these are the things that drive us crazy. These are the things that make us feel uneasy. And with Jesus, these disciples were in the same boat. Everything was going great. Then all this happens with Jesus. And with Jesus, here they survived on everything the people gave them through Jesus' ministry. And now they have to support themselves and their families again. Was this totally wrong? That they would think something practical like we got to go back to work guys i don't think so was the was their desire to eat and to provide for their families something wrong i'm not saying that i'm not saying that that was wrong but here's the thing listen close guys and ladies they were called that's a big word called that was a word you used first time we communicated called You see, they were called by Jesus to do something else. And that's the problem. They were not to fish for fish anymore. Who were they supposed to fish for? Men. Fisher of men. I don't want you to fish for fish anymore. I know you can do that. I want you to come with me and we're going to fish for men, he told the fishermen. They had a new purpose in life, thanks to Jesus. So here they are. They're not just running from from uncertainty. Listen close. Not just running from circumstance. They're actually running from obedience. They're actually being disobedient. They were called to trust Jesus for everything in their life. Every emotional, physical, and financial need. They were called to go out on a limb and trust Jesus through it all. Like I said, it's not a problem too much. I imagine there were sometimes it was a little thin, but Jesus always seemed to have a miracle that he could do or something would happen. And, you know, we'll just feed 5,000 on a kid's lunch. Yeah, sure. No problem. And I'll just tell you, some of us guys and ladies are running and hiding from what God wants us to do in the same way. It may not be a call to ministry as in the way that we're seeing here in the scripture as the disciples had, but it might be. I'm not saying it isn't either. Maybe your call is ministry in this church or maybe it's in this community. Maybe your call is to just walk by faith and trust him during this time. Maybe your call is to surrender some issue in your life. 
But instead, you're hiding in your comfort zone. My friend, let me just tell you something. Jesus is still asking you to step up to the plate and follow him. He still wants us to follow him, no matter the circumstances, to answer the call on your life, to realize that your life is open under new management now. Doesn't want it to be the way it was before B.C., before Christ. But you see, here's the cool thing. God never gives up on us. Even when we retreat, God never gives up on us. Even when we choose our own comfort zone over him, God never gives up on you or me. And I don't know if you notice how Jesus shows himself to a bunch of disobedient witnesses. They were supposed to be out witnessing and doing greater things. Doing all this, they were full of the Spirit of God and they're supposed to be out. And they went back to fishing. They went back to what they knew would work. Verse 5, let's look at that again, Sophia. Let's, verse 5, then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered him, no. I love this. Children? These are grown men. Why, did he, why didn't he say, hey, y'all, or hey, you guys? We're close to the PA border here, so we can say that. Or, you know, hey, fellas, brothers in Christ, whatever. No, he said children. Why does he call them children? Not because they were childlike, but because they were childish. There's a difference, isn't there? See, Jesus showed up anyhow, though. He didn't go, you'd think. I raised, I, I raised them to be followers of me. I showed them miracles. I am crucified. I come back from the dead. And they go back to their old ways. God, I don't know what to do with these people. I thought they were changed. Look at them. They went right back to the old stuff. See, Jesus doesn't get offended like that. Even though they're acting childish, Jesus shows up anyway. I want to encourage you with this. That if you have a call in your life and you took a step back out of fear or out of, hey, I've got, I've got to have some security here, whatever it is. I don't know what God has called you to do. I'm going to tell you, Jesus will show up anyway and he will love and he loves you. Anybody that makes breakfast for me, I know they love me. We had breakfast in Florida at 6, 7 p.m., 8 o'clock at night, whenever it was. My aunt made the best biscuits and gravy and eggs at night because nobody likes to get up early and eat there. That's a bunch of retired people. I feel God calling me to that someday. And I'm telling you, I know she, you could taste the love, couldn't you, Mary, in that? Oh, man, I'll tell you what. There's a difference between gravy at Bob Evans and the gravy from Shirley Knoll. Let me tell you, I just felt like singing, Surely I will, Lord, surely I will. There was so much love in that. And Jesus showed up and didn't preach them a sermon, didn't get in their face. He fixed them breakfast because he loves them. And he was challenging them, even though they're acting immature. I mean, after all they've been through with me. No, Jesus. I want you to notice the first thing. 
Jesus loved them. And the second thing here is, and you might have noticed this, that running from Jesus's call only leads to frustration. There's proof of it here. If you run from Jesus's call in your life, look at verse three. Look at the result. Simon Peter. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to them, we're going to go with you also. And they went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught what? Nothing. If you go fishing, everybody, and you're a professional. Now, you have to understand, they didn't have little things like rear. It was these big, soggy wet nets. I don't know what they were made out of hemp or whatever, made out of rope anyhow. And they would get, throw those out there and then bring them back in. They get heavy. That's a lot of work. They did that all night long. Can you imagine six, eight hours you're out there, maybe longer. And they know how to do it. They know where to do it. And it isn't working. I'll tell you what, that'd have been frustrating. I went to Canada once on a big fishing trip with a few guys from church. Boy, that was fun. We get up there, and I'm telling you, it was not fun at first. I had to learn how to troll. I learned what you troll with and what you don't troll with. You don't troll with a, a fish that you catch. I, we caught a little tiny fish, and I decided, I'm going to try trolling with that. It died and floated. I didn't know that, and we're trolling along the shore, you know. And then a seagull or something came down and grabbed my line and he's flying away with it. I was trying to cast into, I was casting into shore because we were in a boat. I was casting into shore and with a red devil lure, you might know what that is. It's kind of heavy and it was a big one. That thing, I didn't have it tied right or something and it went bing and just, I lost the whole thing. In fact, it pulled the whole, it got caught, caught on the end of my, my rod and pulled the whole end of the rod out into the water and then it got tangled in our thing, our propeller, and it took us like an hour to cut all that. I mean, it's frustrating. Fish are sneaky anyhow. They don't want to be caught. And then when all these things go wrong, I understand that frustration. And let me tell you, no amount, if, if God is asking you to do something and you're not doing it, it will be frustrating for you. And I'm going to tell you, no amount of money, no amount of power, position, nothing is going to make you feel right when you're out of God's call. Maybe he wants you to ask for forgiveness. Maybe he wants you to give forgiveness. Maybe that's what he's calling you to do. I'm not talking about go to Africa, save the world, whatever. I'm not about, let's talk about some things that God does call us to do. Maybe he wants you to just commit to daily devotions and reading the word, and you're not doing that. He's saying it all starts here. Maybe he wants you to pray every day. He's calling you to that. I want to be close to you. Maybe he wants you to turn from some action or attitude that's in your life. Maybe he wants you to just do something out of love, not out of, you know, to get something in return. You're just going to do something out of love for somebody. Or maybe he just wants you to just say, finally, I surrender all. I surrender everything to you, God. It's all yours. Maybe he's looking for that. Or maybe you could fill in the blank for me. If God is asking you to do something and you're not doing it, I'm just going to tell you, your life is going to lead to frustration. 
It will lead to frustration. And you're going to work and you're not going to see results. You're going to try and you're going to come up empty. Think about your job. Your job is not going to do it for you. And you're going to begin to wonder if there's any point to what you do. You're going to begin to think, does anything in life actually have a meaning? Does it matter at all? And if you're running from what God wants you to do, it will just lead to empty nets. Has anybody ever had empty nets in your life? You tried, you worked at it, you did your best, and it was just empty nets. And so here's the good news. Jesus saw them out there fishing. (laughs) And he knew why they were out there fishing. He knew why they were out there, guys. It wasn't just, hey, Let's get a cooler. Let's go out and go fishing, okay? It wasn't that. This was, we don't trust God right now. With all that's happened recently, we forget all the amazing things back a year or so ago, but recently it's not gone good, and we're afraid. That's why they were out there. They didn't trust God. And I love the question he asks. He goes, and he knew the answer. Hey, you have any luck out there? And what was the answer? No. I, I think maybe if Jesus had a sense of humor, that might have even been a sarcastic question. You know what I'm saying? So how are you guys doing out there? Because he knew. How many fish you guys got? Because he knew. Everything was leading to frustration. But in verse 6, let's look at verse 6. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Now, here's the great thing. Jesus is a carpenter. He's a rabbi. He's a, you know, teacher. These were expert fishermen. They knew where to cast the net. They knew where to go, guys. They knew about tides. They knew about... Everything about fishing that you could... They didn't forget it. They lived it. So what could this carpenter preacher know about fishing? What good will it do to just switch sides? Is he out of his mind? This side, that side, whoop-de-doo. This is silly. I'm going to just tell you something. Sometimes God asks you to do silly things. Oh, it's documented. I could preach a whole sermon on that, and I might. Not today. He's going to ask you to do something, and you're going to go, why should I do this? This doesn't even make sense. What difference will it make? i got to hand it to the disciples. Now, we don't know all that was said, and how, but you know what? They may have had their doubts when Jesus said, throw it on the other side. But they obeyed, didn't they? Okay, Jesus. All right, there's probably a ton of eye rolling going on at this point. Like, oh my, here we go. But what happened when they did that, everybody? Verse 6. Verse 6. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. And if you go to verse 11, Simon, it says, Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to the land full of large fish. I love that. Not the little... You know, not these little guys. Large fish, okay? 153, and although there were so many, the net was not broken. See, Jesus' advice, despite sounding silly, it worked. 
Why? Did, why? Because he wants you to depend on him. Listening to the words of Jesus, to his word, doing it his way is going to lead to fulfillment. It's going to turn frustration into fulfillment. And I'm going to tell you, Jesus will bless you even more than you already are if you live in obedience to him. Isn't that simple? That we live in obedience to him. Marching around city walls to destroy them, Jericho. That's silly. We need bombs and grenades and cannons and all kinds of, we need more people. Nope. No, you don't. You just need to march around a certain amount of times every day and on the last day march a bunch more and then blow some trumpets and the walls will fall down and you'll have the city. Can you imagine the soldiers going, what did we bring all this gear for? We could have just brought boom boxes and trumpets, keyboards. Here we are. Turning the other cheek when Jesus when Jesus said, turn the other cheek. How is that going to solve? I need to punch this guy. That's what I need. He needs me to slap him for what he's done to me, my family. And he says, turn the other cheek. Huh. That's doing it the God's way, isn't it? Or loving those who hate us. You know what? Right now in this world, you got a 50% chance that somebody might hate you in our country. Why? Because of identity things going on. Well, if you voted for this person, oh, I hate that guy, so I hate all the people who vote for him, right? So there's a lot of people are that way, guys. I don't think anybody in this room is, but a lot of people are that way. So you got about a 50% chance, maybe, of being hated just for who you voted for, or maybe for what you believe in. Some people say that Christians are all this way. They put us in a place. So if you identify as a Christian, you could be hated just for what you believe. So it's not a hard thing to imagine being hated today, is there? It's a very hateful situation, a very divided situation. So to love those, somehow find a way to love those people that are expressing their hatred for you, that could be tricky, can it? That's hard to do. But guess what? That's a, that's a Jesus way. He says, it doesn't make sense, but I want you to do that. All right. Saving the world through a man born to peasants with questionable parents. Who had this story that, no, we never, you know, we never slept together, but she's pregnant. I can't explain it. She says it's the Holy Spirit. This angel appears. What am I supposed to do? Right. We've heard some whoppers before, but you guys are in trouble. Okay. What would you think? But Jesus is born into this situation that so many people are dealing with and have dealt with over and over again. The Savior of the world. See, God uses silly or foolish things to show us who he is sometimes. We would never pick that way, and he knows it. <laughs> we would never do it that way. It's not always about what seems the wisest or the most powerful with God. But what it is, is it's trusting him in those things. That's the challenge. Will you follow through? Will you obey him? And when he tells us to do things that are foolish or difficult, that's when our faith is tested. That's when we show our faith in him. So when they all landed, they see Jesus with a fire. And this is the last part. When they all landed, they saw Jesus with this fire and he's making breakfast for them. Fish and toast. 
Have you ever had that for breakfast? That's an interesting breakfast, okay? Fried fish and toast. We need to try that, Sophia, sometime. Just see how that would be for breakfast. So here's a question. This doesn't make sense to me. Jesus says, bring your fish to the shore. Bring it. Now he's got fish. He's got toast. Why would you need to bring 153 fish to breakfast if we already got the fish cooked? I bet you hadn't thought of that. Neither had I. So I got to looking at this. This was a lesson in trust is what this was for them and for us. Listen closely. If you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this today. Where did he get the fish? I don't know. Maybe he could have created that fish. He could have just gone out there and snatched them out of the water. I don't know. They could have just jumped out of the water for him. I don't know. But Jesus wants to show them something. I don't need your stuff to do anything. I want you to bring your stuff, but I don't need it. Bring that fish, but I got fish. I can have fish any time and toast when you want, rye or sourdough. Are you catching this? Jesus wants you to surrender your stuff, your things to him, but he does not need your stuff or things to do what he's going to do. You could see it right here. Bring that fish. Oh, yeah, I got fish. I don't need that fish. I just want you to bring it. I want you to surrender it. I want you to know. Okay, now why would he do this? Is this like a head game that Jesus is playing? I mean, because Jesus does miracles whether we help him or not. He could just do stuff. But he invites us, listen closely, he invites you and me to be a part of the miracle. He invites us to be a part of the plan. So even if he doesn't need what we give him, money, time, talent, he wants that, even though he doesn't need it. Because he can do anything without us, but he still wants it to do, he wants to do this with us. Are you catching this? He wants to do stuff with you. He could just do it. He could just go, watch this. But he goes, bring this. And now, guess what? Your stuff's a part of what happened. Your obedience is a part of what just happened. Isn't that a cool thing? He could do it without you, but he wants you to experience it. He wants you to live by faith. He wants to save your loved ones, but he wants to do it with your help. He wants you to be a part of that. <laughs> he wants to make the world a better place, everybody. But he wants your help in doing it. And he can do it but without you, but he wants it to be with you. Isn't that a great thing? That touches my heart. And the disciples and us, we're called to trust him with everything. So you might say, well, I don't need your help. I can do this by myself. Thank you, God. Appreciate it. I got it covered. I'm just going to tell you, he will let you fail. He will let you fr be frustrated. He will let you reach that point. But if you live in obedience to him, he's going to bless you. I'm telling you, with fulfillment and success. It's one thing to get success. It's another to feel fulfilled through it. And that's, that's something, that's a commodity only God can provide. 
And I'm not just talking financial blessings, everybody. It might be. But either way, God makes it worth your while to trust him. He'll make it worth your while. And he'll say, see, you trusted me in areas you thought you could handle. And you finally trusted me in that. Won't you trust me in all the other areas, too? If I can handle that, Donna, I can handle the rest of it, too. If I can handle that, Mark, can I handle the rest? Don, if I can handle that, can I handle the rest? You trusted me with that. Don't you think I'm able to do the other things, too? That's what God is after. So if Jesus is leading you to do something that scares you to death, and he will. I always like that thing from that little saying from the Chronicles of Narnia. You know, when one of the kids there goes, you know, they mention Aslan, the lion. And you have to read the books. If you haven't read them, you probably don't know what I'm talking about. But I like this. Anybody ever read these books, the Chronicles of Narnia? Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. And the little girl asks, goes, is Aslan safe? And the beaver, the lady beaver that talks, says, oh, Aslan's not safe at all. (laughs) But he's good. And I think about God that way. It's not safe. If you're looking for safety, it doesn't feel safe some days. You feel like you're just out there. And you're like, what is going on? But I've got to tell you, we sing that song about the goodness of God. We believe that. So many of us have been through these things in our life where we felt like we're out on a tightrope, haven't we? And that any wrong step, and we're going to fall down and crash. But we have made it through the goodness of God. We have made, and you know what? You may be in a wonderful place, and you say, "Well, you know, I'm not there. I'm not experiencing that." Well, praise God, I'm glad. But you should trust Him anyhow. You need to trust Him anyhow, because there will not be that fulfillment for you. That will only lead to frustration. Even though you might have great success in what you're doing, it'll only lead to frustration. I just want to ask you, won't you let Jesus show up in your life and take that kind of frustration, avoid that in your life? Won't you just let him handle everything for you? If Jesus is speaking to you and he's been talking to you and you're going, that's ridiculous, won't you just throw your net on the other side? If he's asking you to do that silly thing, why don't you do it and see what happens? Why don't you test this? I want to encourage you to do that today. Because I'm going to tell you, he will lead you into greater fulfillment and joy of your life that you've ever seen. It's a fact, and I've said this before, that the largest number of collect calls are on Father's Day. Isn't that hilarious? The largest number of collect calls. Now, the largest number of calls... Are on Mother's Day, but the largest number of collect calls, if you're going to call dad long distance, you know, is on Father's Day. And I want you to know, your Heavenly Father is calling out to you. You don't have to call collect. It's paid. It's paid. All you got to do is call out to Him because the cost 
has been paid, and I'm going to tell you something. He has the answer. And chances are, he's already been ringing your phone, so to speak. He's already been calling out to you, but you didn't answer. You let it ring and go to voicemail, so to speak. Let's pick it up. Let's get that conversation going with him. Let me encourage every man and woman that's hearing this today. Let's live in obedience to him. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I love this, how you love us so much that even though we act like children sometimes, even though we act childish and immature, like we'd never seen you work in our life, and all of a sudden something new happens, and we just collapse, we retreat, we go back to the safety zone. God, let us press forward. Let us trust you even more, even when you're not speaking, even when we pray and it feels like nothing's coming back from heaven. Let us live in an adventure with you and trusting you and knowing that you are still there, you still love us, and you're just over on the shore. And if we'll just look over there, you'll give us the instruction. You'll tell us what to do. You've not left us. You've not forsaken us. I thank you for that image from your word that you've given us today. Holy Spirit, well up within us. As followers of Christ, I pray that we would have a, a new power to live in obedience to the word of God and to Christ his words and the way he lived. Thank you for these wonderful stories, these wonderful illustrations. I don't imagine any of those men that experienced that with with you, Jesus, ever imagined how it would affect all of us and encourage us. God, I pray that anybody listening in this room or on the internet, through any of the social media channels that we're on, God, that they would live and answer the call answer that call and stay with it return to the call if they've left it ask all this in the name of jesus we pray amen amen are you encouraged today are you encouraged to live for him i hope i hope this encourages you and says hey doesn't matter doesn't matter where you're at now you can return because he's calling you back. Might be, have turned your back on what he asked you to do. You said, I don't think that's my thing. I don't think that fits me, whatever, or that's too hard or whatever the case may be, guys. He's calling. He's calling. Come back. I still got this. I don't need your stuff, but I want it. I want to know you trust me. I want your time. I want your talents. I want your resources. And I want to remove the frustration out of your life. Isn't that a good exchange? Isn't that a good exchange to know that your life means something? Thank you, Lord. I want to say thanks to those who joined us through streaming today. And whether you're listening through our podcast or you're uh, watching this on YouTube, Facebook, whatever the case may be, feel free to leave us a message, a prayer request. We'll try to get back with you as soon as possible. We'd love to hear from you. And if you wouldn't mind 
everybody here subscribing, uh, liking this video today, subscribing to our channel. It will help us to get the word out. Right now, hundreds of people every week hear these messages, and we appreciate your help on that. So God bless you, and please join us again next week. Thank you for joining us today. The original version of this message can be found on our website at thelightingkent.com. For more information, you can also reach out to us at info at thelightingkent.com or message us on Facebook.